Welcome to the Times Yours podcast. I'm Spike with Pat Gallon. Hi, Pat. What's going on, buddy? Pat and I are using new technology today. We're pretty excited. It's the wave of the future, I think. Yeah, it is, man. The future is recording podcasts at home <laughs> with Skype. That's the future, brother. Um, it's funny. We inter- as we interrupt this, as we'll and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about a bunch of things today. We're going to talk about uh, Jason Avant and uh, Ilya Briskalov and talk about the Phillies. It's funny as we talk about the Phillies and you talk. We were talking about technology and the wave of the future right before we started doing this. It's amazing to think that somehow. I, Jimmy Rollins and I were talking about Inception on Twitter. I just saw and that. I, yeah, I saw your name pop up people, and him talking to you. I'm like, what? What's he talking about now? Well, it's just it's just amazing. Like you know, there's so many there's so many misuses of Twitter by athletes, and we've seen hundreds of them. But it's so cool, you know, when it's used right to to think that even if it's a quick exchange. But there's so, and then the other people jump in to be able to talk to somebody of that level casually about a movie on a random, yeah. you know, Wednesday morning is uh, is a just a statement about you know what technology can be or what social media can be. It's a pretty neat tool when you think about it that yeah. way. I, I like what Jimmy and and Shane and Hunter Pence maybe to a lesser extent, but they're really taking to it, and that's something that a lot of people. Had, had complained about for a while is that the Phillies aren't social media friendly and, you know, they don't interact with the fans enough. But, you know, they're starting to buck that trend a little bit, and I think people are starting to appreciate it a little bit more, even though Shane Victorino was embroiled in a little bit of a, of a debate <laughs> before when the World Series was going on or when the playoffs were still going on, um, you know, rooting for other teams. But, you know, that's a good thing because you can interact with these guys. It's a lot easier than it used to be. So I hope they continue on with this. Yeah, I think the key for them and what can be difficult about an a- for an athlete is it's almost inconceivable for uh, you know, a regular person or even somebody who's, um, who's really active on Twitter like me or you to think about the number of replies that someone oh, with 50,000 or 100,000 followers gets and the amount of just, even on a regular day, just vicious, annoying hatred that they have to deal with and they have to be able to kind of turn that off it's like it's like listening to an extreme version of sports radio yeah. or you know or being in in on the field at all times and you have to read all that and be able to tune out the people who are just there to get so, a reaction just imagine you. if ryan howard was on twitter right how bad would the would his mentions box be he'd be he would be getting killed by the fans and it would be right. so easy for them to do it and and even even when you get the positive stuff, it's so hard. Just as a human, like you know, when you do anything, you write an article on Phillies Nation. Even if you get ten responses telling you how great it is, if one person gets up there and tells you how stupid you are and you you shouldn't have written it, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the one that ends up sticking in your mind sometimes. You know, um, so imagine you know thinking about you know when, when LeBron James did what he did. Like, just imagine, even if you hate what he did, the amount of just, like, I hope you die, yeah. like, you know, crazy stuff that those uh, guys have to deal I'm with. Death threats, I'm sure he got. What's that? I, some, I said death threats, I'm sure he got, right, you know, over right. and over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, how can you, blo- there's just no way to block all of that out either. I mean, LeBron is, is probably the largest scale athlete there is, but I think he does a pretty good job of blocking out what what the fans have to say because it doesn't seem to affect him in in any sort of way um and then you know i mentioned ryan howard he's a guy that hasn't taken to twitter yet 
and maybe he sees that that wouldn't well maybe if he did take to twitter it would it would change the perception a little bit maybe it would help his you know help him in, in some sort of way connect with the fans because a lot of people you know i see it on on philly's nation all the time and on the facebook page they just rip into this guy so maybe if he did take to social media a little bit more it would kind of help his case i don't know well i'll tell you i noticed last night we were um i, I forget what happened oh i i retweeted something that marie spate said and uh andre Iguodala reacted and at that moment i realized and i had never realized this before that he follows me okay uh, that andre Iguodala follows me and all of a sudden all i had to think about <laughs> oh my god like what if i say something you know that isn't that isn't like mean or anything but is you know rip you him know, a little bit yeah 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 and, and just the the idea that they're there and they can read what you're saying you know sometimes when somebody when one of the the, the athletes reacts to something negative all it does is bring bring more negative people to do it because they, all they really want is a reaction that's all they really want is for yeah. you to say something back but um sometimes when when you know they're watching you might you might clam up a little bit too. I mean, like you said, if if Ryan Howard was there, it may force people to to watch what they say a little bit more, knowing that he might see it. You well, know? you would you would think, but who knows? With uh, it, it yeah. just seems so easy for people on social media because you have that buffer that you can basically say whatever you want without consequence, and that's people people really take that and run with it. Um, and we were talking about, and I think it's uh, you know kind of natural to talk about this now. Jason Avant. Um, after the, uh, I guess in the locker room yesterday at some point, or, or maybe it was on Monday, um, and everybody's read the quote. He said uh, something to the effect of, "We don't want any of the bandwagon fans on now. You know, we're good the way it is. You know, we like uh, that when people doubt us." Um, and the reaction uh, by most people was was pretty negative mm-hmm. uh, to what he said. Um, and I think it kind of brings the question of, um, you know, we're ta- we're, we have this conversation all day long about sports, um, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on blogs, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook. Um, and it, it kind of begs the question, at what point do we stop, you know, searching for more things to talk about? Mm-hmm. That is, should this even be a topic of discussion? Um, and and even if it is, you know, what difference does it make what he says and what he meant? Um, are we just trying to fill all this time? Like, do we? Do you think that this is an example of us just talking too much about sports? That it's just it's yeah. hit its breaking point. One hundred and ten percent, yes. I mean, there there has to be time to fill. You've got to, you know, you've got twenty four hour programming now on on sports radio and 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 media is a twenty four hour cycle these days. So. We've got to find something to talk about, and it's so much easier to talk about something negative that has been said than something positive because you can spin it so many different ways. And what Jason Avant said, I guess the fans do have a right to be a little bit upset about it, but hey, the fans rip Jason Avant or rip a player that's that's not playing well just as quickly. So, you know, the opposite, while it doesn't hold true, I don't see anything wrong with it in this case because Avant was saying, hey, you know, you bandwagon fans want to jump off and, and you don't want to... You don't want to hang with us while we're struggling. Well, well, don't come back. And I think he said that a little more tongue in cheek, but you know, it, it just goes to show you that maybe the media does hype things up a little bit too much. And this is this is basically a non-issue. But yeah, we need something to talk about. We're guilty of it. Yeah. Well, and yeah, you know it as well as I do. It's almost like you 
when, when you go out there every day to find something to talk about, if there's not something obvious like what happened in a game last night or a trade that happened, mm-hmm. you just sit there and wait for something to happen to become a point of discussion. Yep. You, just, you just wait. And, and every day, almost every day, something will happen, as minor as it may be, even something like this, to give you something to at least get you to the next game or when there's something else to yeah. talk about. And that was, that's what this was yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's really nothing more than that. I, he didn't, I don't think he went completely overboard. You know, like I said, I think it was, it was a little more tongue-in-cheek than maybe some people believe it was, but I, I don't find any fault in, in Jason Avant. I mean, he's been one of the good guys, too. He's been one of the, the better guys. He, he always speaks up. Uh, he, he always holds himself accountable, and he's had a couple of really good games this year, and he's had a couple of, you know, a couple of games where he dropped some balls and, and caused some interceptions. So for him to say something like this is a little bit out of character, but at the same time, hey, players get frustrated hearing all the negativity and sometimes they lash out and and you have cameras in your face and microphones in your face at every turn sometimes you're bound to say things like that it's it's just human nature and jason avant maybe got caught up in that situation here nothing more than that yeah and it's funny because all we do is we get frustrated when somebody like andy reed doesn't give us an emotional or honest response and then jason avant who like you said has been nothing but a good guy and a, de- a dependable yeah. player for years here, goes and says something honest, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, you can't call us bandwagon, and <laughs> it's just, it's funny. Or you get like a, a Chase Utley type that's so cookie-cutter and, and doesn't really divulge much in the media, and you're always longing for more, and then Jason Avant gives you more, and then you turn on it and make it seem like it's the worst thing in the world, what he just said. Well, and, and the proof, I, I think the proof in in that we we know that it doesn't matter comes as soon as the game starts no one will remember this it just that's how it's proof that it's just to get you through the week, week i mean week, yep. even though occasionally you hear you know maybe you'll hear a reference to what jimmy rollins said during the nlds when he said that the you know the crowd was quiet it just it go, all these things go away so quickly and especially with somebody like avant who isn't you know, he's not Michael Vick, he's not Deshaun Jackson. I right. mean, this will, by, by Sunday, or by Monday, rather, at 9 o'clock, or even by this weekend, this story will be here and gone. Oh, as man. outraged as, as people seem today, it'll be here and gone uh, by then. Imagine if Michael Vick had called them bandwagon fans. Yeah. How, that would be a national topic of discussion. On You'd see it on ESP. It would be everywhere. It would be everywhere. And it, you know, it doesn't even. And at the end of the day, it doesn't even mean. No, anything. it doesn't mean anything. Like, no, what does even bandwagon? I don't even know what it means. Um, and let me tell you something. There's no way stadiums are full without bandwagon fans. They, Not at all. Yeah, without bandwagon fans, it ends up being the vet in the in the late '90s. You I know? guess everyone is a bandwagon fan in some way, shape, or form. You get pissed off at your team. It's it's human nature. And and maybe you back up and you you think about it and say, well. You know, this team isn't performing performing well enough. I, I don't want to go see them. But when they start winning, it's more fun. So, yeah, I guess everyone in some way, shape, or form is, is guilty of it. And I, I've said before, what makes sports fun? You know, when the, the, you know, the championship runs happen, what really makes the city exciting is when the bandwagon gets involved. That's how... You know, that's when you see when you walk down the street during the World Series and you see everybody wearing red. Yeah. They're not all diehards, and that's not what 
you know, what really, what really takes a team's, the vibe of the city to the next level is when the bandwagon's involved. You know, it's not just the, the diehard fans. But that, there's also a negative side to that, and, and I see that a lot with, with our blog, that the bandwagon fans, and, and this is not to say, this is not to, to say anything negative about, about those fans or about people that don't maybe follow sports as much as you or I do, but, you know, sometimes they interject their opinions where maybe they don't know enough about a certain subject and that can cause kind of a, a snowball effect where, oh, Ryan Howard stinks. Well, does Ryan Howard really stink, or are you just seeing he struck out in a big game? You know, you're not looking at his overall body of work. So, yeah, it, it's fun to have that added component of the, of the bandwagon fans and of the people joining in when things are good. But there's also a negative side to that, I think. Um, and, you know, <laughs> a guy who... Uh, Jason Avant wasn't the only Philly athlete to have... Um, some media attention in the past week. Uh, Ilya Brisgalov, the uh, and I was trying to put it into perspective for uh, somebody the other day, how big it was, who wasn't a, a Philadelphia native and isn't a hockey fan, mm-hmm. how, how big a deal it is for the Flyers to have a, you know, and it's cliche to say it at this point for us, but for the Flyers to have a top-of-the-line big-money goalie. I yeah. mean, this is... I'm not even a, a hockey fan, really, and I'm aware that them having a guy like this is landmark. It's huge. Um, so him to start off the way he has um, has been you know, disappointing is a, an understatement. Mm-hmm. So, so then after the game where they lose 9-8 to the Jets, he comes out and says that he stinks, he has <laughs> no confidence in himself, and that the players are playing poorly around him because the goalie is so bad. And uh, as a reaction to that, the Flyers, and and he says basically that he has never dealt with the pressure of a big market like this before, of being with this guy. So the reaction is the Flyers say that Briskolov's only going to talk um, after game days when he plays, and then the Flyers media reacts that that's unfair, and then it all it all goes um, it all goes to hell from there. Um, and I guess it's just amazing that. It's not like they cut him off completely. They just said he'll only talk on the games that he plays. And somehow, and I think it's because of this 24-hour cycle, that that isn't, that, that Briskolov just talking when he plays yeah. and all of the other players talking all the time isn't enough to somehow get us from one day to the next. Well, I, I think I kind of agree with the writers because this guy is supposed to be the new face, the new cornerstone of your franchise. He's getting paid a lot of money for a long time. And then two weeks into the Brzezgalov experience, they're going to shut it down and he's not going to talk about what's going wrong. I don't, I don't particularly like that the Flyers are trying to control the message. I understand where they're coming from. They want, him to, they want him to focus more on hockey rather than the media, which in Philly, obviously, you know, we can, we can be like vultures. That's just the way it is around here. But, but the town longs for, for guys like Ilya Brzezgalov to, to say things like that. So... You know, these writers have a job to do. You know, we've, we've got to come up with something to write about. And I think it's only fair that a guy like Brzezgalov speak because, you know, he's not one of the rookies. He's not Matt Reed or he's not, you know, uh, he's not Matt Carl. He's, he's one of the big guns on this team, and he's got to step forward and become that way. So, you know, this controlling the message thing, I, I think they could have done it a little bit differently. Maybe just said, hey, he's not going to speak on, on game days. Um, to, to maybe focus a little bit more, or, or they could have come out and made it a little bit of a softer stance rather than, hey, this is it, he's not speaking. Because, of course, there was going to be some sort of backlash to that, and, and there was right away. 
Well, it's funny you say. I mean, the Flyers do nothing but can try try to control the message. I mean, that's the that's kind of the uh, the. I mean, they were doing it long before the Phillies or the Eagles were trying to do it. Uh, was the you know tell yeah. everybody what to think and and when to do it. I think I you know I understand your point. I, I get it. Do you think though, on any level, if he comes out and he's honest and he says, I mean, because I've never seen in in my thirty five years. I've never seen quotes like his quotes after that game. To say I don't have any confidence in myself is a, I mean, I don't know if there's a language barrier there. Like he clearly knows English, but I don't know if if that means the same thing, if he understands what that means. If he comes out and says, hey, I, I am not dealing with this well. I have to deal with this better. It would help me better deal with this if I, if I only talk to you on these days, like I just don't have, I'm not going to say the right things and I'm not going to have anything to say on these other days. I, I need help here. Mm-hmm. If, if they're just more, if he's honest about it, is, the, is there any difference there? Is there anything, um, is there anything to say for him saying, look, I want to be a better hockey player and the way for me to be a better hockey player and help this team is for me to focus this way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Does that work better for you? Yeah, I think if he spins it a little bit differently, yeah. I mean, are you saying coming from his mouth or coming from the Flyers organization, would it make a difference? Yeah, I think if if it comes from him, if he just comes out and says, you know, I... I, I need to do, you know, which is what he wants to say anyway. He right. knows he needs to get better. If he says, I want to get better, here's how I'm going to get better. I'm sorry that this doesn't work for you. I mean, he wouldn't be the first player to not talk, um, not right. talk to the media. I mean, we, we've had it in every sport here. Um, so if he comes out and at least he's honest about it, does that work differently yeah. for you? Yeah, I, I think so. I think if he comes out and, and shows, you know, because obviously he's showing his human side by saying, I've stunk so far this year and my confidence is lacking. But so if he comes out and says, hey, you know, I need to deal with this a little bit better. If he says it straight up to the media, look, I I don't feel comfortable right now speaking to you guys because I just don't feel comfortable in my game. And once I feel a little bit better about myself, maybe I can come back and and, and I'll talk to you guys and my focus will be a little bit better in in aspects where it needs to be better, which is obviously on the ice. So, yeah, if if it came from his mouth, I think you'd see the human side of it and and you wouldn't there wouldn't be a revolt against the team because Brzezgalov is is being honest and saying here you know here's where I'm at right now I've got to take a step back and and maybe say a little bit less and talk to you guys a little bit less yeah I think if if he was honest about it that would have changed some things a a little bit yeah definitely yeah and and I think the difference is is because I'm not a I'm not a diehard Flyers fan. Yeah. Because the first thing I heard when he said that was I felt bad for him now I know every Flyers fan was like Hey, screw you, brother. You're supposed to be the savior, you know. Well, think about it as, you yeah, know, you're a huge yeah. Sixers fan. If Andre Godala, if two weeks into his, his $80 million contract says, I'm not speaking to the media, or the Sixers come in and say he's not speaking to the media after, you know, a couple of bad games, you'd be pissed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd go nuts. Like, if they signed the guy that was supposed to be the difference, if let's say they signed Dwight Howard, and Dwight Howard has a bad first two weeks, and he's like, I'm only talking on game days, I'd... I'd you could flip. Oh, I mean, you could. I couldn't write enough on that. I'd have to. <laughs> I'd write six thousand words on it, and that would just be the first day. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I see where they're coming from, but I think there's that. But as a fan, you lose that perspective sometimes, and you know, I think it's 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 interesting to look at it from both um, from both viewpoints to say, hey, 
you know, uh, as a fan or as a media member, that sucks. But him to say, hey, as a person and as a hockey player, here's where I am. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, you're right. That's probably where we missed it was, was hearing it from him. Yeah. Um, we opened up the show talking about um, Jimmy Rollins. And I, first of all, I have to give you credit. Your, um, your write-up on Phillies Nation just about the, uh, the Phillies payroll next year and where everyone stands was very, it's very clear, very well done, very, uh, very specific Thank as, you. To, you know, as to what the Phillies are, you know, are probably going to end up spending next year with you know, arbitration and guys that they, they do and don't have. I must have a contract. lot of time on my hands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're, you're committed. You're certainly committed. Um, now, what you came up with, just to sum it up, is basically um, assuming... Now, the only number, you know, looking at it, you had Cole Hamels at $14 million. Which um, that's that's assuming is that assuming they go to arbitration and don't give yeah. him a, a bigger deal, right? Yeah. Well, even even if they do sign him to a longer term contract, I think you could space it out in that you could say, look, you're going to get fourteen million dollars if we go to arbitration this year anyway. So what we'll do is we'll just make it fourteen million for this season and we'll kind of bump it up in the seasons, uh, you know, down down the road a little bit so that for this year we have a little bit more money to spend rather than say, hey, here's twenty million this year. That's $6 million that could go somewhere else. So I think that that would be the, the way the Phillies would look at things. Okay, so basically the way you had it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or you, you can spell out, is that the Phillies going into next season with 19 guys under contract, and that's not including Rollins and not including Madsen, would have about $30 million to spend to stay comfortably, mm-hmm. at least with a little wiggle room, under the luxury tax, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the luxury tax this year, this past year, was... 178 million and the Phillies payroll was about 173 almost 173 so they were about 5 million under so the the luxury tax it's it's sometimes it's hard to understand but in the past I, I believe since 07 it had gone up 8 million dollars every year so I figured you know same same bump up in the luxury tax would take you to about 186 we'll say so that being said you know the Phillies total this year with everyone they have to pay and the and the buyouts to Oswalt and Lidge, they'd be about one forty seven. So yeah, you're you're looking at about roughly thirty million dollars because they're not going to go right up against it. I think that would be silly to do. So the way they're spending money, yeah, there's about thirty million dollars to be spent, and that's for seven ish players. Is that where we are? That's I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. If there's about nineteen players under contract, usually you go over and you have to pay some of the guys on the forty man roster. But yeah, somewhere around there. Um, and, and how do you, um, if, if I ask you, how do you best spend that? You know, what's the, because obviously what that sounds like to me, what 30 million sounds like to me is one major piece and then filling in the pieces with the, with the other, with the, with the rest of the money. I mean, is that basically where, where you stand with it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could go a number of different ways here and it depends from, from everything I've heard and everything I've, I've read and what Ruben Amaro has been saying is that they want to go, it seems like closer, the closer position is at the top of their list right now, more so than shortstop. And that to me is a little bit odd because there are a lot of guys that can close in this league. I mean, there are a lot of guys that can get three outs in one inning, but there aren't a lot of guys that can play shortstop as well as Jimmy Rollins can in this league. So I think that that's a little bit odd that they're going, they seem to be leaning toward maybe re-signing Madsen or going after another closer instead of shoring up that position, you know, where, where Rollins has been for so long. Um, so when, when you throw the number 30 million out, people are going to say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's plenty of money, but you know, they've, they've got to look to the, to the future and they've got to figure out, Hey, do we want to throw 
$12 million at Jimmy Rollins right now? Does that make fiscal sense for us for now and for the future? So there are a lot of different questions that, that need to be answered. But, you know, when I, when you say $30 million, you could say, oh, well, bring in Jose Reyes. That should be, that should be easy. But it, it's not that easy. You've got to spend wisely here. Um, and, and that's to say, you know, that the Phillies would want to spend that much. I mean, they spent $172 million. Who's to say they don't want to spend that much next year? I mean, the ownership has a right to say, hey, we've spent a lot in these past couple of years. We maybe want to scale it back. We can't, we can't be the Yankees. We can't just spend money on, on every you know, shiny new object out there. So, uh, yeah, it's $30 million, or roughly it could be $30 million, but you know, there's still a lot of moves to be made. I think what um, what gets hard for fans, and not not that they have any right for um, for them to, to think it's hard, but what gets hard for fans is that every year for the last few years, the Phillies have added a significant piece. There's yeah. always been, you know, there's always been somebody that we've been excited to to get. And then when you talk about spending the 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 large portion of that thirty million dollars on Jimmy Rollins or Ryan Madsen, if you're a fan, you're like, wait a minute, we already had them and we didn't win. Yeah. What are we doing? You know, I think that's where the, you know, the restlessness, um, comes from now. Uh, any, everyone you talk to seems to have a different opinion as to whether they'll, um, whether they'll resign Rollins. I, I can't get a, a handle on what I really think they're going to do there. Um, and I agree with you. If, if it's the same amount of money, if you're telling me it's costing me $14 million, um, for for four, $14 million a year for, you know, it'd be three years for Madsen. It'd probably be four years for Rollins. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'd rather have Rollins. I love Madsen. He's probably my favorite player, but I, I can't imagine. Spending that $14 million on a closer um, never seems to work out for anybody. Right. Yeah, you saw <laughs> yeah. it with Brad Lidge. It, it didn't work out too well. But, you know, who's to say that J-Roll doesn't sign that contract and then you know he, he's already on the wrong side of 30 and he's only getting older and you can see the legs starting to fail so if you're giving him 14 million a season for four years that's that's a slippery slope you're playing with right there right now uh, real quick because i know you've got to go but the is there any in in your head that the david wright stuff is yeah. there any legitimacy to the david wright stuff and i hate to or even you know, Buster Olney said something about CC Sabathia, and it was very easy to laugh at it and then think, well, wait a minute. I've, you know, I would have never guessed they would have done half the things that right. they've done. So, um, you think there's any legitimacy to either of those things? I don't think the Phillies are, uh, I don't think they're a legitimate player for David Wright, but you can never count them out in anything, as we've seen. So, I just don't think they have the pieces necessary to get a guy like that. And, and that's a big topic of discussion. You know, for for the fans is is can how can they get their hands on David Wright? Well, these other moves they've made in the past have hindered that. I mean, you've gone out and gotten one of the best outfielders in the National League, Hunter Pence. You, you used a lot of talent to to get him. So the talent pool is only so deep. You can't just keep trading prospects because after a while they just don't exist in your farm system. So um, I I'd be you know I'd it's hard to believe that the Mets would trade him to the Phillies unless they got some sort of amazing bounty and just you know fleece the Phillies. Um, would I like seeing him here? Yeah, I'd I'd love to see David right here because he's a cornerstone fran. But he's a franchise player. But again, I mean, looking down the road, you'd have to give him fifteen to twenty million dollars a year, and he's another one of those players that you know you just can't have an all star. You can't have a a superstar at every position. So some of these, they're going to have to make decisions. We sign Rollins. We've got to go out and fill, fill in the rest of the roster with, uh, you know, some, some 
lesser-known guys, that's just the way it is in this league. Even the Yankees, I mean, they can't spend top-notch money on every single guy. You've got to get lucky. You've got to get some young players that play well. Um, and, and we've seen that happen for the Phillies. I don't know why that can't continue to happen. They won 102 games last year. Yeah, and you know what? I, if you're the Mets and you are in the money trouble you're in, yeah. I can't imagine them trying to sell tickets next year without Reyes or Wright. I, I just can't. Like, I can't imagine. If they let Reyes go, which I think they'll end up doing, I can't imagine them not having David Wright. Like you said, unless you gave them the world, including yeah. you know a top prospect and, and a legitimate uh baseball-ready prospect who's ready right now and who's can't miss. You know, I can't imagine them doing that. I no, can't. not at all. Well, you say Reyes, you don't think he's going to be back to the Mets, but I don't think they have a choice. I mean, I think that they absolutely need a guy like that because David Wright on his own is not, he's not going to sell tickets. And, yeah. and I know Jose Reyes has had some trouble in New York City and some fans have wanted him out, but he's a hell of a player and he's a guy they can build around once their money you know their financial issues start to to take a turn for the better. So I don't know how they can let him slip away, especially to like the Nationals or, or someone like that. I, 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 as much trouble as he's had up there with the injuries and you know with some of the media backlash, how can you let a guy like that go? Yeah, yeah. I he's the he's a superstar. I don't know if David Wright is a superstar. You know, I think there's just a difference between being a good player and being a ticket selling superstar. And I think Reyes is is the latter. So it's just I think I think they, the Mets got lucky when Reyes got hurt because I think Reyes went from a seven year, hundred fifty million dollar player to something f- far below that yeah. because he he got hurt again. He went from being an MVP candidate to uh, to injured again, and I think there's a big difference well, there. Let me ask you, what what move do you want to see the Phillies make? Because there's not much out there, you know, to to get. There's there's not that hot ticket guy like a Cliff Lee. Yeah, I think um, I think what they have to do, and I think Amaro knows it, and I just I'm not sure where they do it. Um, is you have to at some position, you have to decide we've got to move on and we've got to take a younger step back somewhere. Yeah, and I don't know if that's third base. It's harder with third base because Polanco is under contract. So I don't know if it's you know maybe it's just left field. You know, and maybe whoever is playing, maybe that's just. You know, if Don Brown's playing there, okay, you've started to get younger there. Right. But but to me, I'm worried. I'm worried signing Jimmy Rollins to four years. That's that's where I'm. You know, I'm I'm worried having him. You know, having an aging team and not a. I don't think the the windows closed, and I'm not there with any of that. But having an aging team and signing one of those aging players to a long term deal, um, that worries me. So. Yeah. I, I'd honestly, Bill Bear has talked me into letting Madsen walk, and I'd let Madsen walk. I'd let uh, Rollins walk and and sign a. And if you're not going to go do the Reyes thing, which, you know, I, I don't think I don't think is is probable, then find a uh, a space filler until Galvis is ready and try a, a serious upgrade at third base or left field, like yeah. a real a real upgrade, a you know a better player. And a significantly or significantly younger players in both spots. See, I think uh, it's going to be tough for the Phillies to let both. I mean, I think they have to sign either one of Rollins or Madsen because you're in win now. You're still in win now mode. So if you let your two, 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 two of your guys that have been here forever and have have produced for you, if you let both of them go, I think that that's that's going to cause a little bit of a revolt with with the fan base because then you're saying, well, 
you know, yeah, yeah, they're getting older and yeah, they're expensive, but are we giving up? I mean, we're so close right now, so we're going to give those guys up and we're going to get some, you know, some old hag at, at shortstop and then some maybe unknown or, or some guy who's, you know, maybe not on the level of, of Ryan Madsen for, for your closer position. I almost think that of, of the two, you've got to sign one of them. You know, I, I think as long as they spend it on something, I'm okay. I, I don't think... I don't think you need Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Madsen to to make the playoffs next year. I just I don't. And I, the only reason I say you don't need Madsen is because the Phillies went through two full seasons where they did not have a dependable closer. Yeah. Not this year, but the two previous seasons when Brad Lidge was the worst, legitimately one of the worst closers in history in '09. Just the worst season I've ever seen a closer have. Um, and then you know in 2010. You had more of the same from him for the first half, at least. Madsen not getting the job done. You had Contreras in there. So I don't think it's impossible for a team that has the starting pitching the Phillies do to get through a season to make the playoffs without Madsen. And I just think that even though, um, even though Rollins is uh, an effective player, I don't know... Um, I don't know if upgrading somewhere else is doesn't mean more than having Rollins here for four years. I just that it just worries me, yeah. and I know he was healthy this year, but he hasn't been healthy. And everybody talks about, <clears throat> excuse me, talks about Ryan Madsen's, uh, not Ryan Madsen, Ryan Howard's decline. Mm-hmm. Well, Jimmy Rollins' decline has been sharper, uh, at least offensively, than Madsen has been. Yeah. I, I guess I'm just not all that convinced that that Jimmy Rollins is going to provide for you for the next three years what he's provided for you for the last three years. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know. Like sometimes I'll just say, well, I'll let the general manager do what they're going to do. <laughs> but I think my I don't think they need to sign one of those two guys. But I just I think they need they need to upgrade they need to upgrade somewhere. And I don't feel like either one of those guys. Um, I think you can make do at both of those spots. Um, and upgrade somewhere else, and you know maybe change the complexion of this team a little bit, yeah. um, and and maybe make them give them a better shot to to win everything next year. That said, if they keep all their players um, and win a hundred games next year, I'll take it too. <laughs> yeah, of so, course, yeah. of course. Um, Pat Gallen, you can you can read that whole thing on the Phillies payroll next year at uh, philliesnation.com and read everything Pat writes. And Pat's Twitter is uh, Pat Gallen underscore pn uh, on Twitter, right? Correct. I thank you, sir. Thank you, Spike. Always a All pleasure. Right. Talk to you next All week. Right. All right, see you, bro.